walk through some of them and kind of, I, I like it when uh, Pat asks me to preach and I've decided to just always say yes because I don't necessarily have something off the top of my head, but the Lord pieces things together over a couple weeks and I get to, it, it helps me bring some of the things that I've been thinking about together, um, which is really cool. And so we're going to talk a little bit about heaven and kind of what comes next um, after this life. And today is also Super Bowl Sunday, so I thought I would ask Chad GPT to write me a joke about heaven and the Super Bowl. And what I got back was, I don't think AI is going to replace comics anytime soon. <laughs> so those guys are those guys are safe. But I don't want to talk just about heaven. I want to talk about what comes next after we die. And I think that's a that's a fundamental shift in, and we're gonna talk about that too. So a little bit of foundational stuff. Um, heaven is real, hell is real. They're both places and people are going to go to both of them. If you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and your savior, you will go to heaven. Um, otherwise, you will be going to hell. We are spiritual beings first. I think that's a, this is kind of a foundational thing, that we're not like somebody, we're not somebody, a person, that God makes and then says, okay, and now I will give them a spirit also. I think we are fundamentally spiritual beings and that our bodies are basically the vehicle that God gives us to walk through this life. If we look at First Chronicles 29, 15, David is praying in the assembly, and he says one line. He says, for we are strangers before you, talking about God, and sojourners, as all our fathers were. Our days in the earth are like a shadow, and there is no abiding. We're just walking through, guys. We're not, this isn't the place where we get to rest. This is not our abiding place. We're just, we're, we're making our way through. Um, so when people say, like, oh, yeah, go ahead, rest in peace, I don't, I don't think there's any rest after, after we die. I think we just keep on trekking. Okay, so let's talk about um, Matthew 25. We're going to talk about the parable of the tenants. And it's a little bit long. I'm not going to read all of it, um, but we will read a couple verses out of it, and we'll summarize the story. So Matthew 25, verse 14 says, for the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered goods to them. The first thing about this story is that it's a story that represents the kingdom of heaven. God is say, Jesus is saying, okay, I'm going to tell you about the kingdom of heaven. Now listen to this story because it's going to be very similar. And so just in summary, he gives three servants different amounts of talents, five, two, and one. And then he goes off on his journey. When he comes back from his long journey, the servant who got five has made, has worked and made 10. So he's doubled it and he calls him the good and faithful servant. And likewise, the one who had two got four and made four and returned it to him. And then the one, the guy who got one said, well, I was scared of you and I didn't want to lose it, so I just buried it. And so here it is. He gives it back. And Jesus uh, says that the, um, the rich man takes what this guy has, 
throws him out, calls him a wicked servant, and gives it to, um, gives it to the guy who has 10. So verse 29, it kind of concludes and says, For everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. Now, this is not a parable about fairness or about social justice. He's talking about the kingdom of heaven. So why are we taking things from the people who have very little and giving it to the people who have more? So as believers, we bring the kingdom of heaven wherever we go. When Jesus said that the kingdom of heaven is at hand, he meant here we can experience the kingdom of heaven while we're on this earth. And when we are saved, we're believers, we're bringing that kingdom wherever we go. Um, my, my favorite line from Amazing Grace is that it says, we have no less days to sing God praise, God's praise than when we first began. When we die, this is not the end of our life. We're, we're moving on. And when we start praising God, every day that we spend, it just means we, we don't have any less. We're just, we're doing this for eternity. And we're taking God's, God's kingdom wherever we go. Um, you've heard it said that this world is the worst thing that a Christian is ever going to experience. And I think that's definitely true. Because once we've started down this path of eternal life and towards heaven, this, everything that's good in this world, everything that's the kingdom of God that we experience here in this world is going to be that and more and better and more abundance that's getting heaped upon you, right? And I think that's what he means here when he says, more will, for everyone who has, more will be given and he will have abundance. Whatever you have in this world, God is preparing you to have even more, even more, even more, and it's gonna be awesome. I did wanna take, take one thing here to consider. Paul says, consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. And that's sometimes a hard thing to do when you're facing a lot of trials. And when your body is getting old and failing and there's pain everywhere and you make six or seven different sounds just getting off the couch. <laughs> but we have a really unique opportunity here while we're on the earth. While we have chosen to follow Jesus and we get to experience the kingdom here, this planet while we're alive, is the only place we can experience God through our suffering. When we go to heaven, there's no more suffering. There's no more pain. So this is an opportunity, okay, to experience God in a way that once we move on, we won't be able to experience him in that way anymore. And I think that's one one good reason to go through the process that we do here is to experience God in many different aspects, not just in his overabundance and his goodness towards us, but when 
we don't have much or we're suffering. And so I just want to put that thought into your head that this is the opportunity that we should take care of, that we should take advantage of. So the second half of verse 29 says, but from him who does not have even what he has will be taken away. And, you know, the only reason that there's anything good in this world, the only goodness comes directly from God as a source. That's the little bit of goodness that the non-believers have. Whatever is here, this is the best experience that they will ever have for all of eternity. Think about that. <laughs> the evil, the suffering, the terribleness that we face, along with the little sparks of joy, like our children skiing on the ski hill for the first time, or watching them walk or talk or hearing them say, um, yes, please, when he's only two, right? Those are incredible sparks of joy. But for the people who live in this world and are not saved, that's the biggest amount of joy they're ever going to have. Because when they move on to what comes next, that goodness will be taken away. Because this is it. Goodness can only come from God. And hell is a place where God has simply removed his presence. And when he takes his presence, all the good goes with it. And all that you're left with is what you see in this world, evil, but more. Because there's nothing to offset it. I was listening to a podcast the other day. Um, from uh, The podcast is called Maybe God. And it's a pastor out of Houston. And he talks... He brings in a lot of guests and asks a lot of questions that are, that are deep and challenging, and he explores those topics with these guests. And I've, I've found a lot of value in what he has to say. Um, and they did a two-part series where they talked about near-death experiences. And I'm not sure what your guys' feelings are on that, and obviously whatever we hear, we have to Push, push through the biblical filter and see what lines up and what makes sense or if people have just made things up. But he had a guest on called named John Burke who's written a book called Imagine Heaven. And John Burke has categorized, uh, captured, recorded, categorized over a thousand near-death experiences from people all over the world. And these are experiences where people have, feel like they have, or they have died and then their spirit has left their body, and then they've had some kind of experience, but then they are returned to their body and, and get to live longer on this life in this world. And there are a couple things that he's found that are very consistent across these experiences. One, they are very clear, very vivid, and wh whoever has them can basically recount every single detail even decades later. Um, the other experience is that um, these people, um, when they come back, they say that their out-of-body experience, their, their afterlife experience, was more real than anything they had experienced here before. And I think that that just adds on to the, to the 
idea that we are spiritual beings, and that is more real, the spiritual sense of everything is more real than what is even here. And in this, this episodes, they talked about two good experiences and one bad, and the two actual two experiences, sorry, the two good experiences were actual face-to-face encounters with Jesus Christ. And there is, there's a lot of details that go in there, but it was really cool to hear what they had to say. And I didn't hear anything that like sent up red flags or anything. And then the other one was from a guy that did not see Jesus on the other side. What he found were people who were void of good and basically tried to dominate him in many ways. And there are things that he could not even speak of even 25 years later that he experienced there. And that seems consistent with God removing his presence from a place and then God's grace being there when we're ready for it. And so um, the host of this podcast asked John, so, so then what, what is this life? Like, what is, why are we here? Why do we have to go through the suffering? Why do we have to go through all the, all, all the things and grow up and be that? And he said, John's response, and this hit me really hard, said, I believe this life is a birth canal. This is the process of finding Jesus, growing into Jesus, and then moving through in this vehicle that he has given our spirits. And then once we're out of this world, we're in the real life, what life was made, was made to be. I'm going to flip over to Romans 8 real quick and read, um, starting in verse 18. It says, Paul says, For I consider that the suffering of this present time, the sufferings of this present time, are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Not only that, but we also, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for adoption, the adoption, the redemption of our bodies. I think the birth canal is right. The whole idea. We get to experience God. We get to choose to be with God. And then we just get to be with him. I think we need to change some of our shift our mindset a little bit because I think we very much compartmentalize there's this world and this life and then it ends and then something comes after the words. The Bible says we get to be with Jesus and we're excited about that, but that is a thing that is coming later. It has to, you know, it's after our death and there's this kind of vertical line on the timeline, right, of our life where we start here And then there's a line where something really big happens, and then there's something else that comes afterwards. And I don't think that's the right way to think about it. I think that this life is one life. 
that eternity starts the minute that God created you. And at some point, there's a why on your timeline where you get to decide whether you get to spend eternity with, with God or eternity without God. But at no point from creation to the end are we temporal creatures. So in that context, what can man do to me? <laughs> he can't do anything. He can only do something to this vehicle that God has given me to traverse this birth canal and come out on the other side. If man tries to take my life or ends, ends my experience here on this earth, um, it's tantamount to a C-section. I just get to be with Jesus. Like, it's, it's so cool. When we think about this, and the implications of just being a spiritual creature from the start forever. There's no end, guys. There's no end. The, I think that will help us to um, change our focus to be more kingdom-minded, more heavenly-minded. And it, all of it, it makes so much more sense now in Matthew 6, when Jesus says, Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, and lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth or rust destroy, and thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Yeah, I mean, I just think about my sister, right? And uh, she's about to give birth to her, her second child. But what if that second child just decided well, I like it in here, so I'm gonna build a house. I'm gonna go make some lunch. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna just post up in here, and I'm not coming out. Like that doesn't make sense, right? It's really really cool. <laughs> so I just this is the part of the sermon where I don't have the answers, but I have lots of questions because God's been working on this for me for a while, um, and so I'm just gonna throw out some questions and kind of leave you guys to think about them um, in the context of this spirituality that we are a part of. Um, we're thinking about treasure in heaven, but things that we do that Jesus asked us to do, things like baptism, is it really just a symbol like a wedding ring, the outward appearance of us, you know, making the choice to follow Jesus? Or is our spirit being washed clean I physically, like, actually being washed clean when we do baptism, I don't really know, but I think there's maybe more there than just a one-time event that happens in this world. Um, when we talk about things like the Lord's Supper, when he says, like, we just had communion, right? And he said, when he introduced us, he said, this is my body and this is my blood. I I find it hard to believe that that would be purely symbolic, only relevant to this world, and has no spiritual implications whatsoever. And I don't have to understand exactly what that means or how that happens, but I think there might be something more there that might be worth looking, looking into. So, to end here, eternity started when God made you. 
and it's up to you to decide whether you want to spend that eternity with him or without him. I was just reminded, uh, have you guys seen the movie Night and Day? Um, it's a hilarious, like it could be Mission Impossible, but it's more comedy than not. Um, and he's, the main character is hauling around this girl trying to save her from all these things and she's trying to get away from him and he's like, okay, listen, I've been trying to save you, but you could do what you want, but your chances of survival without me are like down here. With me, they're up here, okay? With, without me, with, without, with me, without me, with me, without me. And then he like walks away and gets in the car. <laughs> and that's it, right? That's the choice. We start, eternity starts when we're created. So do you want to be with God or do you want to be without God? It's up to you. But put your hope in Jesus Christ so that you can spend the rest of your life with your creator. And then once you do that, be kingdom-minded because the kingdom is the real life that's coming. We have obligations in this world. There's things we gotta do. We gotta raise our kids. We gotta pay the mortgage. We gotta do things, right? But real life has, has begun. So engage with it. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this day and I thank you for these words that you've given us and pray that um, people would find value in what you have said this morning. And I thank you that our life has started we don't have to look, look forward to something that might be coming on the horizon, but that it's already here, that your kingdom is here, and we get to participate in that, and then we're going to get to participate in even more of that when we are finally born into the real world, into the real life. And I thank you that we get to spend it with you and that you made a way for us to do that. We love you, Father, and thank you for this day. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great week. I don't know. Who are, I don't know who the collective we that votes for the Super Bowl.